What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. It's Friday out here in Okinawa, Japan, so you guys know what day it is. It's Viewer Call-In Friday, or Thursday back in the United States. There's a Zoom link in the description. Feel free to call in with uh, any questions, comments, concerns. Tell me you hate me. Tell me you love me. Please tell you, but please tell me you love me. Like, don't, don't make it negative, okay? Let's keep it positive. I'm just kidding. I want to hear whatever you guys got to say. Whatever you guys got to say, whatever you want to talk about, I'm here for it. What a week it's been. It's been a crazy week, lots of crazy stuff over on TikTok. I posted the conversation, the discussion we had yesterday about the guy selling the vapes on TikTok, and it went totally lit. He actually saw my videos, and we were chatting in the comments section. He said he would come on the show, but uh, he's on extra duty, so the timing might be tough. We might see him today. He might call in today. So if he does, uh, then then we'll be able to have a conversation with him. I think that would be pretty dope. I love that. What's up in the chat to MC, Harry Lime Pie, Nuggets, Mudrock. Great to see you all. Mudrock, thinking about you all the time. Thinking about six days in Fallujah. We had a little update there. I'll give you guys the little update. MC, $1.99 Super Chat. Thank you. Vibes surrounded with little purple stars. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. When I see it in there, I see a description of the meme. I see like literally the word description of the meme or the or the emoji and the one you just said was vibes surrounded with little purple stars. So I just want you to know that, that was pretty dope. Um, Iron Lotus, what's up? Welcome to the chat. Zoom is up if anybody wants to join. Otherwise, I didn't really plan anything. I'm totally uh, I'm totally stoked. I have a major announcement. We have set a date for the premiere of my. Oh yeah, but oh, I totally got sidetracked. Uh, six days in Fallujah announcement. If you guys remember, um, I've been kind of calling the 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 play by play with that whole with that whole thing since it started six days in Fallujah this huge you know controversial but inspirational monumental task that that team over there has taken on to make this game despite people hating on them despite the challenges of making the game doing it with the fewest amount of people with the littlest amount of budget including Marines in the process and I mean I think it's really cool. I remember I posted a video saying, is Six Days in Fallujah going to be canceled? Uh, I put a question mark on it, and people called it clickbait, although it ended up not really being clickbait. I was kind of right. Um, the game did end up getting delayed, but the thing I said was Marty uh, o- O'Donnell, I believe his name. Um, that maybe Marty is his name. I forget his last name. might not be O'Donnell, actually. Marty. Anyway, Marty from the Highwire Games, uh, uh, he was in some legal trouble with his old employer. Um, And he was trying to crowdfund money for legal battles regarding music that he created for the Halo series. And they settled. So they settled that case. It's done. And so that's good. That's good for Six Days in Fallujah. I'll actually put, I'll I'll put that in the category of positive, that that case is settled. So he is, whatever is, is the resolution to that, it's no longer an issue. If you guys were wondering about that, you probably forgot about it. It really wasn't like a big high profile thing. I just drew attention to it because I thought it, if the CEO of the company making a game is crowdfunding to fight a legal battle, that's a bad sign. But uh, it looks like they got through that. Okay. So positive update there. Um, And then major announcement on my end that I'm totally stoked about, totally stoked about is that we have set a date for the premiere of my documentary film. It's called American Mizuhiki, M-I-Z-U-H-I-K-I, Japanese word for tying together string or paper into a bow to present as a gift, but the key word there being tying things together. So my film, American Mizuhiki, which I did not come up with the title. We actually crowdsourced the title. There was a competition 
um, on Facebook. People could submit a title, then there was a vote, and that's the title that won. And actually, that title totally transformed the the film. That title, getting that title, American Mizuhiki, totally transformed the uh, the film as we now as we now know it. And um, and it's going to be amazing. Ed, what's up from Texas? As always, that link's in the description if anybody wants to call me up on Zoom. It's Q&A Friday, so I'm here for no other reason than to answer you guys' questions and talk about the week and then uh, move on to the weekend. I'm doing, a cool, uh, I'm doing a cool thing this weekend. I'm helping out the ballet. You know, I use my filmmaking ability. I use all my cameras and, and skills with the camera to help out the community out here. Um, so I've been, able to, I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to be able to work for the ballet there's a ballet program ran all by, you know, coaches who go in there with experience and they teach kids, um, they teach kids how to dance ballet or perform ballet or whatever it is, execute pirouettes. And they're having a big performance this weekend. So I'm going to get to live stream that to the uh, family and friends around the world who want to see it. And I'm totally stoked. I'm totally stoked. We got, let's see, it looks like uh, we've got nuggets calling in. Let's see. Let's let them in. Let's see if he gets in here. Nuggets is calling in. If he if he jumps in there. Nuggets, what's up, dude? Give me a thumbs up if you're ready to come on the show here. All right, you're ready. You know the you, you know the deal. What's going deal. on, man? How are you? I'm doing just fine, man. How are you? I'm great. We haven't seen you in a week. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. Uh, I think it was um probably like, like spring break or something like that. I might have been out for a minute, seeing family and stuff like that. So obviously, hair's kind of changed a little bit of haircut. Uh, but uh, nothing much really. Just uh, chilling over here. I'm glad to be on the show, and I'm just like glad I got the ability to kind of like start off or something like that with <laughs> questions. And um, yeah, that's I cool, man. Have, uh, yeah. Break the ice. I got a little. Oh, what were you saying? Sorry, I was gonna man. say no, no, no. I was gonna say you get to break the ice. I, I'm just glad to do that. Um, <laughs> Speaking of like a good icebreaking question, it was kind of like before the show, it came to mind, you know, it's kind of like just got like spitballing ideas of what to ask you because I love asking questions, love learning about people, love learning about you with the hell of a background you got. Um, what was it like for the first time, like meeting these like spec ops guys, not working in the field, but just like seeing and talking to them for the first time? Because like I was kind of thinking like um, when you and like Navy SEAL kind of brand was in like, you know, like small low key thing. Like, how'd you feel about it when, when you're first talking to these guys? You, uh, you broke up there for a second. So let me just repeat your question. So I make sure I got it right. So the question was basically like, I, I show up, I meet people for the first, like these, these guys who are like SEALs, a SEAL team, you know, like chiefs, officers, commanding officers, you know, I'm showing up like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? You're asking kind of like, what was that like? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So that's actually a great question, dude. I love that question. Um, cause it was pretty scary. Like you, uh, so, okay. So part of the process to get into that, uh, command that I was in was a screening process. So we had to do put in this packet. It included our ASVAB scores, our PT test scores, letters of recommendation, and then there were in-person interviews as well. So we had to go over there and interview. They're doing kind of a personality assessment. They're doing like a character assessment. Like, do you have any UCMJ uh, NJPs on your record? If so, what are they? Like, what kind of trouble have you been in? 
because um, not all of that was like disqualifying, but people want to know, is this guy like a three-time DUI? Is he got a gambling issue? Um, they also want to make sure that you're like able to get a top secret security clearance. So if they find any red flags in your record about that, um, they, you know, they're not going to take you because if you can't get the security clearance, then you're kind of good for nothing over there. So the people who end up over there are people who've been kind of selected by the community to be hopefully a good fit. So they're, so, you know, hopefully we get the right people and those people are able to uh, be accepted over there. And so part of that is like, do you look the part? Like, do you look fit? Do you look confident? Does your uniform look good? All that. So that's like, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, you're, you're already off to a good start. But then I remember like meeting people here and there. And when you're in the regular fleet to see a seal is like a rare sighting. You know what I mean? Like if you see a dude walking around with a trident, it's like, whoa, holy crap. That's cool. Like a real life seal, you know, and working with them is even more rare. It's a very, very rare opportunity. So when I go over there, I mean, everybody's a seal, like everywhere I look, everybody's a seal. And, uh, and I'm like, whoa, is that guy a Navy seal? Is that a Navy seal? That's so cool. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> and every door has like secret codes to get in and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is the real, the real deal. Um, I'll tell you. And then a funny story. So I'll, I'll give you two examples. Cause actually that's a really good question. There's some funny, like sea stories to that. Is that okay? Can I give you a couple examples? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm so, not you. <laughs> so the first day, uh, when I get there, there's a, like a big, we call it quarters or like muster. Basically everyone's standing outside. It's a Friday when I check in and you know, we're getting ready for the weekend. And so there's this big muster and everyone's out there in PT gear. So you can't really tell who anybody is rank or job or anything like that. And they're like, but I'm in uniform. I'm in my, at the time, the blueberries, like the Navy's blue camouflage, which now they all went to green. But back then we had still had the blue. When I came in, the blueberries weren't a thing. It was still the utilities and like the dress whites and dress blues, but I was wearing my blueberries. So I get up there in front of everybody. They do like a, a new, a new people go up and introduce yourself. So I go up there to the front and there's four of us that are, that are like new check-ins and then like a hundred people in PT gear outside on the grinder. And I say, uh, I say the, 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 the CEO is up there. He tells everyone to introduce themselves and I say, hi, I'm Max. I, and before I could go any further, everyone starts yelling, shut up. No one cares. We hate you. And I'm like, oh man, I walked, I walked right into that one, you know? And then, and then after that, after a couple of seconds of heckling, he's like, okay, now really introduce yourself. And I'm like, okay, hi, I'm Matt. And then everyone, shut up, you idiot. No one cares what you have to say. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. I totally loved it. Like, that's exactly the type of place I wanted to be at. And then they made us all get like wet and sandy after that. And it was just an awesome thing. And then uh, fast forward a few months, I go on my first like real life train, like I say real life training, but like where I actually traveled and we're at like a, a location and we're doing real, you know, deployment training. And they, they made me go do like the, the brief to the team of like our capabilities. And I was like, I just learned I'm like a brand new guy. I've got no idea like what they expect to hear. And they made me go get up in front of everybody. And everyone's like all these, uh, seals, like multiple deployments, highly qualified are staring at me. Like, what does this guy have to offer? And they made me go give the brief on what our capabilities were. And that was nerve wracking, but it's like, Hey, I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I came here to do. I'm, I'm I don't mind doing this. I'll put myself out there and just do my best. And it was uh really humbling. Like you realize that these guys are, are the most, 
you know, elite people like special forces in the world, right? Like the toughest training, highly skilled, highly, highly qualified. And how do I like make myself fit in here and provide value? Because they don't have time. They don't care about me if I'm not there to just absolutely show up, work, do a good job, be professional. Um, I haven't like earned any, any spot, you know, I haven't done anything to earn it. So every day it was like, we had a sign on the door that said, earn your spot on the team every day. And that's kind of the attitude you had to bring to it. And, uh, it was intimidating, but you just got to kind of fake it till you make it and own it and like be confident, even if you have no reason to be confident, but that like, but then do your best, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, I got that. I got that. It's kind of a, a little lesson within itself, you know, it's like, no matter how uncomfortable you feel, you got to put yourself out there and it's honestly the best solution too. I'm thinking about it, but yeah. Yeah. And everyone, everyone was really nice too. Like everyone was, uh, like very welcoming. I mean, it's, it's a very unique community. So when I say nice and welcoming, it might not be exactly what you're imagining, but they, they make you kind of feel like you're a part of the team for your role that you have there. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's really, yeah, it was really cool. I really, I really loved it. I think I might need to log off in a second because the reason why I'm kind of like cutting you off because my internet, it's kind of crappy. So like my, my side is a little delayed. So I don't mean to just be so rude and such a prick, but I'm probably going to go in a second. Actually, I, I just want to say it's, it's great, you know, always being on here. And um, I, I don't have any takeaways unless you have any good takeaways from that story. Because that's like really interesting, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, so I'll think about it. Maybe I'll like during the course of the conversation today, I'll, I'll try to jump back in with something else. But yeah, man, you go, uh, you go take, you know, do your thing and, and enjoy hanging out. And I appreciate you as always calling in, man. You're welcome to do that anytime, of course. I appreciate being here, man. I hope you have a great weekend. So thank you. Uh, I'm going to see the rest of the show, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All good, man. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. And that's nuggets sir nuggets in the house it's always cool to have him call in mc says i love those stories thank you for sharing them yeah it's um it was very intimidating to uh to show up and you know these guys are expecting you to just provide a capability provide value and be up to speed already like that's that's the expectation it's like hey uh you just got here but we're going on a mission in like an hour and a half and so are you ready to go and it's like Oh my gosh, this is a high op tempo is what we would call it. And, um, and high intensity and high expectations. And it was kind of awesome. Like if you can handle that intensity, if you can handle that environment, it was, it was the best, it was the best thing ever. Um, loved it. So thanks for that question. I guess that was really cool. Uh, uh, yeah, totally appreciate it. And then it's always a surprise. Like, Hey, you're coming in our, like we knew, we knew we were expecting you. You're in the lead vehicle. Uh, we're leaving in an hour and a half. Are you all ready to go? You got, you know, weapon radio, all that stuff. Like, yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Can't wait. Um, totally fun. Totally fun. So if anybody else wants to call in, use that link like nuggets just did. Um, and you're welcome. Ed said he's here for, uh, he's here for the vapes. That'd be cool. Mudrock. Is there hazing when you reach the teams or is being at the grinder your form of hazing? Um, there wasn't really hazing. Um, I, there wasn't really hazing. Like hazing wasn't a, a a common thing at that point. Part of that was because people were coming in as like um, all different ranks and experience levels in the Navy. Like nobody was new to the Navy. 
and most and nobody was like very junior either. Like so so people weren't young and they weren't new, but they were just new to this job. And the op tempo was so high that it's like you would check in and a week later you would start going to school and those schools would be all around the country and you would go to school for like a you know six months to a year straight, like schools and training nonstop, back to back to back. And you, a lot of times you would be there out like by yourself. So you would go by yourself to Florida to, you know, wherever, and you would go to a course. And so there wasn't really a lot of room for hazing, but like getting up there in front of the command and all of them yelling at you to go after yourself was like, I don't know if you would call that hazing or it it, it certainly wasn't hazing in a negative way because hazing always has this negative connotation to it. But I actually don't think hazing is very negative. Or, or, I mean, it certainly can be. But I don't think all hazing is negative. I think a lot of hazing is very healthy um, if it's done smartly. Like hazing someone to make them drink a bunch of alcohol until they die is not very healthy. It's not very good. But hazing someone with just like, you know, giving them a hard time and uh, and making fun of them and all that stuff to get them to understand that they have to like earn your respect and that there's no free rides uh, that's fine. I think that that's great and it should hundred percent be happening. Harry Lime Pie is calling in. Let's see if we can get him on. Let's see how his, how his uh, microphone's doing today. Harry, I hope your microphone's doing a little bit better today. Well, uh, if you, uh, let's see, I'm going to go ahead and unmute. Uh, I'm going to wait for you to unmute yourself and then I'm going to bring you on. Unmute your mic. Yeah, there we go. All right, Harry, I'm bringing you on right now. Harry Lime Pie live on the Scuttlebutt show. How are you? Uh, mic check. Yeah, you're, oh, that's that's <laughs> a lot better. That's a lot better. Is that a lot better? Yeah. All right. Yep. I, I took your advice, and I think it was the um, the place I was at in the house was not close enough to the to the Wi-Fi, and I think that's what was making it break up. But I did go and get a you know like a head head buds with the little microphone in it, so that might help too. It's a lot better now. It's funny that you. Loud and clear. That Nuggets, yeah, it's funny that Nuggets was asking you that question about, you know, the special forces and the SEALs, because I was going to say that I was so grateful that you uh, recommended that book, uh, By Water Beneath the Walls, because I'm, I'm about, I'm a slow reader, so I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but it's, it's, that's a great book. It's fascinating, and it's so fascinating that the, seals came about so haphazardly that it wasn't intentional the navy ended up with that almost by default because the you know the army tried with rangers you know and then the marines had a part and it didn't work out so well for them and i just got up through the part where they've been through Mm d-day and uh you know, they, it, it says, you know, well, the, you know, there was army people with the Navy and uh, the army, when they first got to the beach, they wanted to get picked up and turn around. And the, fortunately, they had decided ahead of time that the Navy was in charge until they got to the beach. Once they were on the beach and everything, then the army would be in charge. So the admiral, it was the admiral that was in charge. He said, no, we're not picking anybody up. We're going on. And, you know, they made it. It caught, it was harrowing, but they made it. 
and uh, I thought that was really fascinating. And uh, now they're out. I've, the part I'm reading now, they're out in the Pacific. And uh, it's, uh, also, I have a small connection in that uh, in the 1980s, I lived in Fort Pierce, Florida. Yeah, which is where they did uh, they did uh, the original training before D-Day. So that was great. But uh, so I wanted to say that was that was a good book to recommend. And I'm really enjoying it. I hope other people in their crowd will pick up that book, and uh, because it'll be a, it'll be of interest if you have any interest in seals or special warfare or anything. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's the best. Right. It's the best book. Uh, my, it's my favorite book. And if you if you have any interest in naval history, um, it's a must read. It should it should be on the reading the Navy reading list, the CNO's reading list by next year, no later than that. And uh, and Ben's such a great guy. And, and it was so yeah. cool of him to come on the show. And he just was on Jocko's show for a part two. It premiered today. And I was listening to it while I was walking our dog this morning. And Jocko said something funny. And I just busted out laughing like while walking my dog. And it must have been weird for everyone around who was like on the beach or whatever to just hear me out of nowhere start laughing. Um, when you, Have you read the part about Okinawa yet in that book? I haven't got to there. No, oh, they, just wait. I just got through D-Day part, and I think they the last island they assaulted was like Tarawa. Yeah. So it's some of the first islands that they were doing in the Pacific. You know, it, I'm sure Okinawa will be coming up next. <laughs> it's so it's incredible, and um, and it's interesting to see. Uh, I was this is what I was kind of thinking about this morning when I was out walking, kind of thinking about by water beneath the walls, which I which I recommend to somebody basically every day now. Everyone that I meet, I tell them to read it, and uh, and I was just thinking about how aggressive the surface navy was back in World War II, like the default aggressive attitude of the navy of how they chose leaders who wanted to take their ships to battle and full steam ahead you know, through the, through the water, towards danger, towards the enemy, sinking ships, uh, incredible, incredible courage by all members of the crew and the leaders. And I was wondering if we still have that in the surface fleet. Um, that's, you know, we were talking about the, all the suicides on the Washington a few days ago. And I was like, I wonder what the mark of a, of a, of a future admiral is because they were talking about Arleigh Burke and I was like, I wonder what, like, if you ask the CNO today, what the mark of a future admiral is in his mind, what he would say. If you, if you met a lieutenant today yeah. and you had to assess them, where, where, how far they're going to go in their career, what traits are you looking at? That's the question that I have for, you know, the CNO or the Secretary of the Navy or, or somebody like that today. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, I think you're right on there because the, the part I was just reading about D-Day and I was telling you about the, how the Navy said, you know, we're not giving up. And that's what really turned the tide when they were just getting to the beach is the Admiral gave the order for the um, destroyers. They, he had fought with the Navy to get more destroyers for D-Day and he got eight destroyers. And that was really the, when the tide turned was when he sent them in and they went like very close to the beach and they were all firing. And, you know, that's what broke up the, got them through the last part of the, uh, uh, 
you know, the uh, the wall part on the beach and got the guns, the German guns to quiet down so that everybody wasn't getting shot as soon as they came off the landing craft. You know, it, it quieted the, uh, the machine guns down and like the 88s and the mortars because those uh, destroyers were going very close to the beach, you know, all firing their um, five inch guns. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, I think you're right on there. Do we still have uh, a captain and a destroyer who, in a, you know, at a time when he needed to, would take his ship into danger to, you know, save uh, lives, you know, on, on another ship or whatever? Yeah. You know, that's a big question. And do you have, a, you know, a crew full of machinist mates who will man machine guns? Do you have a crew of you know? Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you have a crew of yeah. bosun's mates who will jump into well, into the water to save somebody, or or you know, or rescue? Exactly. You know, it's it's a, you know, we have we have some modern examples of that, like when the I, I don't want to miss say the the carrier that was involved in that uh, ship to ship collision, um, but in 2017 I forget which carrier it was, it might have been the Washington, but it might have been the Roosevelt. I, I can't I'm not, I'm not sure right now, but there were reports of you know sailors doing damage control sailors rescuing other people that character still exists out there in the fleet but i just wonder you know if the moment arose if the moment came where people had to to step up and and you know honor that legacy of the navy do we remember what that legacy is like do current navy leaders remember that that's what people were doing in the 40s you know yeah well, that was, uh, I know from uh, other books I've read and everything during World War II, that was a huge difference between our carriers and the Japanese carriers is that where it was a damage control, mm-hmm. that when their carrier got hit, all the secondary explosions that happened, it, that's usually what sunk the ship. It wasn't the the main it wasn't like one bomb going through the deck it was what happened when it fell into the uh the workspaces underneath you know that uh, that the japanese did not have the damage control that we had on our ships that yeah. you know like because like during um uh midway we had the one carrier that got hit several times the Japanese went flew back and said, "Oh, we sunk a carrier." And then when they when they came back, you know, we the the ship was still there, and it was it was actually you know it was slow, but it was still going. Yeah. And you know, they couldn't they they thought it was a different carrier. Yeah. Because uh, you know, and then when we hit their carriers, they went down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. everything exploded inside. All the ammunition was piled up in a way that it exploded all their gasoline lines and things where we had a system of the gas lines were filled with CO2. You know, when you weren't gassing it up, the gas lines were filled with CO2 so that they didn't, if they got hit with something, it wasn't spilling gas out and 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 adding to the secondary explosions. So I think you're right. All those things that we work on when you're in boot camp, and when you first get to the fleet, and uh, I know my son-in-law, he's he's in a ship uh, in Japan right now, 
And, you know, when he was in his first ship, it was a destroyer. And, you know, even though he was a CS and, and that, he had to do training, uh, you know, as a damage control. He did some training on that because, you know, like you said, if, when something goes down, it's like, especially on a small ship, it's every hand to the pump, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, you you gotta you gotta you know even the guys in there in the thing making coffee he's gotta come out it's, and do some kind of damage control. It's the it's the <laughs> it's the fundamental skill that you learn in boot camp is shipboard firefighting yeah. and damage control. Of all of the things you could learn in boot camp, uh, of all the things the Navy could choose to impart on you, as far as knowledge goes. They chose damage control in boot camp. So you learn history, you learn how to wear your uniform, you PT, but the skill that you learn in boot camp is damage control. And just like every Marine is a rifleman, every sailor is a firefighter and a damage controlman. That's that's the backbone of uh, of the of the skill set of a sailor. And, and when you get to the ship, they encourage you to go take advanced uh, damage control the you know 300 series training and join a, a, a damage control team or a, a, fi- a fire a DC locker and become a you know right. firefighter team so yeah it's it's it really is and I think it's one of those things that it's so important to remember like now I I, I guess it's funny because I only know this I only think this now when I'm older but it's so important to know the history because it makes you care so much more about what you're doing when you know the legacy that you're kind of upholding and yeah damage control, firefighting. Um, look at what happened on the bottom Richard. If what the Navy alleges yeah. is true, that this dude started a fire in a <laughs> trash can and burned down the bottom Richard. Meanwhile, ships have taken bombs and torpedoes and collisions, and they've saved those ships. Like, it's not the same yeah. because you're not underway. You're not in a wartime. People are, like, relaxing off duty during the pandemic when the bottom Richard happened. But think about the the scale of rescue efforts that go into saving the ship, you know, save the ship, saving the ship when a trash can fire burned the bottom Richard into decommission and people saved ships after battles, sea battles. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I'm glad that you called in to bring that up. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that that was really shocking when that happened, and that was the things I was thinking when when it was happening, and they were saying like, "Oh, it's been burning for you know two days," and I'm thinking, "What the heck? Yeah. And they can't put it out in two days with all the shore facilities yeah. that they should be able to bring on board, you know, like pumps and water, and you know, it seems like you would have unlimited, and it looks like you would have unlimited people." Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, okay, you know, hell, let's get a thousand people and put on there, Yeah. you know, to save it. Well, the, I, I think, it, I, it, you know, it happened. I think part of the problem is you, you really can't do that, right? Because the inside of the ship is so uh, small. It's such small quarters yeah. that you really can't yeah. get more than a few people into any one yeah. compartment. A lot like you can't fit more than a few people into a ladder well at one time. And so, you know, it would be really tough yeah. actually to, it would be actually be really tough to, it probably you know, I'm not trying to put down your idea here, but it'd probably be catastrophic to put a thousand people yeah. on a ship trying to go to one location to fight a fire. Well, yeah, I'm just saying they have, yeah. they would have enough 
they should have gotten the most experienced firemen and like they could have rotated you know like a lot of times when fire people go to a building or whatever they're exhausted you know they yeah. go in they've exhausted their air tanks they, they have to get out but it seems like you know in that situation if they they should have had enough people they could have rotated everybody they could have put somebody in there for an hour no more than like a half hour boom you're out somebody else is in you know a fresh person but you know it was it was just shocking that it, that that happened you're right yeah uh, well thinking that ships that are underway on the ocean can save themselves and a ship that's tied up to the dock <laughs> burns completely up <laughs> yeah it's it, it, it's uh yeah I, the scuttlebutt that i've heard about that too is that there were crews that wanted desperately to go on board and fight the fire and that they wouldn't allow them to yeah. because they just said uh you know we're not going to risk any lives for this although to that i kind of said um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because yeah. honestly, it's like there, there, it, there is you. You would in a in a in real world, you would sacrifice. You know, you would do whatever it takes to save the ship. You know, you would you would put people in harm's exactly, way. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And and I know people wanted to go on there. It's it's weird to say because if I'm going to say that, I I hope that I'd be willing to walk on that ship too. You know, in that situation. Um, yeah. I, I'll yeah. say, I'll say, uh, um, well, I totally, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, I, it'll come to me in a second. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, uh, you know, the people that do that job for, you know, for real, they have to have that same mentality, like Marines or policemen, they have to run to the firefight. They have to run to the danger. You know, they're used to, that's part of the job. Mm -hmm. uh, it, they know that there's a chance that they might not come out of it, but they run toward the, either, you know, the gunfire or the fire, the building burning, you know, they know it could fall down on them when they're running in, but they're going to save. they're trying to save the ship or their, the house or the people that might be inside, uh, you know. That's what. But at least they were lucky. At least they were lucky in the fact that if if it had to burn the ship down, at least there was not a lot of people on there. Yeah. You know that got that, that got uh, burned up. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's great. It wasn't an. Ex it could have been a catastrophic explosion, and if people had been on the decks above, you know, it could have been a lot of lives lost. Yeah, I do wonder. You know, I haven't I haven't read the report. Uh, in, in its entirety. Um, but I do wonder how much like hazmat burned up, how many, you know, how many toxic fumes oh. were released, how much of that metal released <laughs> sure. toxic fumes into like the national city in San Diego, the 32nd street Naval base. Um, I do yeah. wonder as far, as far as the decision, as far as how far to take the firefighting, you know, one of the, one of the key pillars of shipboard firefighting is to isolate the fire, to isolate the damage by, you know, setting the boundaries. You have like firefighting boundaries, watertight doors, all this stuff. And I, I guess probably once the fire started to spread with nobody, uh, with not a lot of the crew on board, they probably had no idea where the fire was and nobody to report what affected compartments there were. 
And so it'd be tough yeah. to even decide where to begin. And once you do put people on the ship, you could have them easily walk into the labyrinth of P ways and, and birthings and all that stuff and end up, you know, isolated inside of a fire and then they get killed. I totally get yeah. the danger. I, I do. I, it would, it would be really, really difficult to attack that problem, uh, after a fire has already started to spread. Well, that's what I heard was that so many of the sensors that would have told them where the fire was were disconnected because of the construction and the, the work. Yeah. And I know like, like you said, you like you were saying the other day about the, uh, when you were talking about that aircraft carrier where the people were having the mental problems, it's tough to be in dry dock, but you know, it seems like turning off all your fire sensors might not be such a great idea. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, not. I know, I know. There, I know you have to do. You can't. Ha- you can't keep everything running, but it seems like turning off all the fire suppression and fire sensors might be something that you probably maybe that's not happening. No, I don't know. Going yeah. forward. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it do be like that though, as the, as the saying goes, where in the yeah. Navy, the Navy would call it the Swiss cheese model. where like for something yeah. that, for something that catastrophic to happen, it's never one thing that went wrong. It's always a no. series. It's a series of failures. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that the mishap investigators and all that had their hands full trying to go, all right, this happened and then this failed, which led to this happening. And then this failed, which led to this happening and this failed and so on until they identified like the, the way that this whole thing went down. Yeah. Not fun. Not a fun job. Not, not good. for that. I haven't got to talk to, I haven't got to talk to my son-in-law that much because, um, but he had just came back from a three-month uh, temporary duty assignment in Saspo, mm. and he came he came back to uh, the Blue Ridge, which is in Dry Dock. So, so I haven't really got to talk to him that much about it to see what what's going on there on that ship. Whether yeah. you know, number one, what's he think about the fire, and uh, number two since you had that show about the mental health problems on that carrier, I wonder, you know, how's it going as far as, you know, that, you know, I would tell him, please keep an eye on your junior enlisted, you know, to see how they're doing mentally, you know, <laughs> because like you said, it's gotta, it's gotta be rough when you're on a ship that's, that's filled with workers. It's noisy, dusty all the time. It's tough. It's not. It's not the job you signed up for, you know. Uh, it's rough. It's got to be rough. Yeah. Well, I, I just you know one little anecdote about that is I remember being on the on the Reagan and the carrier, and I'm living on the ship. I'm a junior, you know, E2 in the Navy. I'm living on the ship, so my whole world is an 18 inch tall, six foot long. I couldn't even stretch out head to toe. I I, I needed to like you know bend my knees to get in there. You can't sit up like you got one little light and your only privacy are these two little blue curtains that don't even cover the entire, uh, rack. And so that's my whole world. And coming through my whole world were, you know, dozens of construction workers with power tools, running lines, welding things, 
chipping away paint and metal. Um, like imagine just a, a jackhammer on metal above your bed uh, all day, all night, you know, into, into the evening, not all night, but into the evening. And then the smell of that and, uh, and the dirt and everything like that. And the constant, like one of the noises that is constant that never goes away is the air ventilation. It's always very loud, uh, especially when you're important. They have all these tubes running to like clear out air and provide, you know, uh, like a like vacuum type service. And it never stops. It's kind of, it's really, really crazy uh, to live on a ship during that time. So the fact that they had like everybody all living off in barracks or whatever, and they recalled them back to the ship during that time is the dumbest thing that I've, that I've heard in a while. Um, oh God, especially when you're not even think like there's no chance of you going underway cause you're getting a reactor refuel and you're like planning on being there for a few years. Totally, totally mismanaged to, to lead to yeah. 10, yeah. 10 suicides. It's out of control. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well, I'm going to get off and let somebody else have sure, a chance. Sure. Uh, thank you for letting me come back on. And I'm glad my mic was a little better this time. You're great. You sound <laughs> great. Totally. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome back. And, and, you know, and last time, you know, it was well, just difficult these, to understand what you're saying. These were only like uh, 15 bucks on Amazon. So perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, well worth the price. <laughs> well, I overpaid them for my setup over here. <laughs> all right thank you very much max and yeah we'll see you next time yep see you soon all right all right bye harry lime pie love it welcome anytime h says if only our buddy pfc vape shop learned damage control Ooh, could you imagine that'd be cool imagine being a marine on a gator freighter stacked four high with no ac ed says uh that's why Marines had a reputation for stinking on the ship. Caden, what's up? That sounds rough. Yeah, it was definitely um it was definitely a little rough, but uh, you know, it was um it was part of the ship life, I guess. It was part of living on board a on board a boat as ship's company. You that's all you got is your little space. You can own like the littlest amount of things and uh, you know, Recently, uh, mi minimalism, is that what it's called? Like live like tiny houses have come into style. P please. The Navy invented that. I was living in a tiny house back before you even heard of a tiny house. Come on. Easy living right there. People are living in their vans. People are living in tiny houses. They should have just joined the Navy. They'd be getting paid for it. So I'm happy to talk to anybody else. We got 15 minutes left on our normal hour long show. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if I ever heard from, um, the gentleman who was the uh, the vapist. So on TikTok, by the way, if you guys don't follow me on TikTok, please do so. TikTok is lit, um, and I um, and I even was able to get in touch with uh, the vapist. So I decided to post all his videos and call him the vapist, which I thought was very funny. And so I have like the vapist part one, the vapist part two, the vapist, the final puff. Uh, you guys can go check that out. It's fun for me to post up on those TikToks and the. TikTok community is very active as far as comments go. Um, even some of them that are kind of like trash talking are still hilarious to me. I've always expressed how I've wanted to have uh, beef, internet beef with somebody. And um, I'm still waiting for my big internet beef. So hopefully someday, hopefully someday. I'm waiting right now to get raided by Chris Chaos, his crew, um, like they do sometimes. 
they that's what they did last week when I had those um, in more interesting, more uh, um, you know those characters come aboard the show. Welcome aboard to the Scuttlebutt Show. Maybe that's what I should say. Maybe from now on. When the guest comes on, I'll say welcome aboard. By the way, you guys, now might be a good time to welcome you aboard to scuttlebuttshow.com, where I have all, look at all these t-shirts, squid, ramen, mid-rats, space force, moons out, goons out, scuttlebutt fitness, all this stuff, all this cool stuff. What else do we got here on scuttlebuttshow.com? We've got accessories, like we've got stickers, rooster and pig socks, uh, Get your branch, your your new branch logo redesign that I did for you guys out of the kindness of my own heart. Uh, train to train coffee cup, desk mats, the scuttlebuttshow.com store or scuttlebuttshow.com or scuttlebuttclothing.com is full of all kinds of good stuff. The women's clothing section is lit. You can go get some nice stuff there, sweaters, t-shirts, everything. And we've even got some stuff for the kids We've got a, a Made in Okinawa shirt, a Scuttlebutt shirt, Train to Train shirt. Maybe maybe the Train to Train shirt for the kids should be Train to Potty Train shirt. I don't know. What do you guys think? Go check that out. You'd be doing me a huge favor as well as if you're listening on YouTube, you can uh, hit that join button down below. Recommend this channel to your friends. It's a great way to help us grow. And uh, and just keep watching the videos because that's how we get, uh, that's how we improve. That's how we, that's how we grow. That's how we enhance, enhance, enhance. Uh, what else is going on with you guys? I haven't seen a comment in a minute. It's slow in the comment section right now. Um, I feel like when I leave it up to you guys to ask me questions, people uh, don't always know what to say, and that's fine. Um, I didn't prep any b- big stories. Mom about to get some nice teas from Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Should have got. Should have done some Mother's Day uh, merch. Should have done some cool Mother's Day merch, like my son is a uh, you know, veteran or something like that. Proud mom of a veteran, something like that. Best veteran mom in the world. Uh, the be- the kit, the, mm, that would have been kind of sexist. The home is my battlefield. I don't know, something like that. I was going to say the kitchen. I was going to say the kitchen is my battlefield, and I decided that might not fly in uh, 2022. That might not be the best comment I can make. So I, uh, I checked myself before I wrecked myself. But then I told you, but I didn't really say it. I'm just telling you what I was thinking. I didn't say it. It's different. It's different. I said what I would have said was. I didn't say it. You guys can't cancel me. You can't cancel me. I'm uncancelable. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. I'm uh, I'm holding out hope that uh, Kari calls in from TikTok. That'd be so. That'd be so cool if he does. Um, I would love to see that happen. But we're getting late. The sun's setting. The sun's getting awfully low. We haven't heard anything from him. Um, let's see. Eviana, I know I saw Eviana in the chat, and I wanted to say what's up. Welcome, glad to have you here, and uh, and I wanted to also say that everyone who um who might be listening, who don't worry, I muted before my wife heard that. H says Caden canceled me. Caden canceled me. That's okay. Um, I I want to say if anybody's listening who was involved in the making of that documentary, American Mizuhiki, Mizuiki, um, I'm grateful to you to your time, uh, to, um, to your efforts, to your, you know, I made this, this film, but, uh, everyone out there, everyone else out there is the people doing the work that the film's about. And they have helped so many people and inspired so many people. I can't wait to share it with you guys. I cannot wait. I'm the only reason that I'm holding off putting it publicly on YouTube 
is because I'm looking at potentially like film festivals and uh, and seeing if anybody wants to dis- uh, distribute it. But depending on what kind of feedback I get in the coming weeks, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing like a members only stream of it and a, uh, a patron only stream of it potentially. Um, but I guess, um, I guess we'll see. Time will tell, but it was fun. It was a really fun project. About a year and a half we spent looking on that, working on that year and a half, um, to make that documentary. And it changed so much. Like every, every, uh, time we would go out and shoot, I'd be like, that's how it's going to end. And then we would go out and shoot. I'm like, no, that's how it's going to end. And I would go out and shoot. I'm like, no, that's how it's going to end. And it was, uh, I didn't know. I really didn't know what the story was until I sat down to edit. I knew all the, I saw all the pieces. It's like getting a puzzle. Um, it, it was like getting a puzzle in a box that had no picture of what the end product is. So you had all the pieces and you had to fit them together. And only when you did that, did you start to see what the actual picture was that you're making. And then as it, as it kind of, developed the picture at the end, I became more clear. And, um, and then I knew, and then I knew where it was going to go. And I, I'm really happy with how it came out. Um, it's a movie about people. That's, and that's really, uh, like, you know, you could make a movie about a monster. You could make a movie about science. You could make a movie about music, but no matter what, you're really making a movie about people or, you know, writing a book about people. That's what it's really all about. And I think I had that kind of realization and it, it got, it gave me a lot of, uh, guidance, personal guidance on my decision-making and all that stuff. So yeah, it was cool. Iron Lotus says next time when you allow video calls, I'll be ready to talk about stuff. Well, that'll definitely be uh, next week this time, you know, like same time next week as we always do. Um, if nobody else calls in, uh, then I will probably wrap this up soon. I've got some uh, stuff to do to um, to prep for our upcoming move back to the United States. So, guys, here's the deal with that. Um, we're moving back. Can I get a kiss, Max? The Xeno King says. Should I? D- How can I do a kiss? What can I do? Let me see. Is this a kiss? Nope. Oh, there you go. I don't know. I don't know about doing a kiss. I don't know about doing a kiss. But uh, you guys get a virtual hug for sure. AN says, such insight. Everyone should make a movie about what they do as a career life. Everyone. So when I was uh, talking to, when we were talking to Dan Negroni the other day and when we were talking, I was on another show called The, pa- the Power of Our Story on LinkedIn. And um, one thing I kind of realized from all this is Harry Lime Pie, $1.99 Super Chat. Thank you. Written on top of a purple heart. Thank you, Harry means a lot. That does really mean a lot. Um, and MC as well. You guys, super chats mean the world to me to get those. Um, everyone should be able to tell their story. Everyone has a story. Everyone's story is interesting. You have to practice telling it. Like everyone should, you know, understand where what their own history is, what moments have made big impacts on their lives, what they've overcome. People will sit there and be like, I've never really done anything. You've never really done anything. Come on. It's not true. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a history. Everyone's got challenges they've overcame, all that. So I think everyone's story is pretty good. 
sometimes it takes a little bit of finesse to tell it. And that comes with, you know, if you're telling your own story, you have to practice it. You should put yourself out there. You should, you know, I don't know, maybe tell a counselor, maybe tell a friend, maybe um, go on a podcast. If you think you have something, you know, a podcast worthy to talk about and practice telling your story. Everyone should know how to tell their own story. I think so. I think that that's true. People love hearing other people's stories. It's always, uh, if you, here, here's something I'll add to that too, is if you tell your story and you tell the truth, it will be helpful and be relatable to people. If you try to overdevelop yourself and start making stuff up and making yourself seem more dramatic, you know, whatever for the dramatic effect, it actually becomes less effective. You have to tell your true story and how you really feel. And you've got to be able to include some of the, you know, good stuff and bad stuff. But if you can do that, um, your story, no matter what it is, can help someone out there. Someone out there can get help from it because everyone's, uh, everyone's going through stuff. Nobody's, um, nobody just isn't, doesn't have any problems, no matter how it seems. And sharing our stories help us remember that. Instagram's like the opposite of that. Instagram is like where everything's perfect and everyone's in Fiji or uh, the Maldives or something like that on vacation all the time. Everyone's, you know, a travel blogger and all they do is travel and live, laugh, love. But um, real life is not not like that. Uh, real life is full of challenges. People have health issues. People have family issues. People in your family have health issues. People have professional challenges at work. They lose their jobs. They go into too much debt. They, you know, problems, their kids go down the wrong path, stuff like that. Those things are, they affect everyone at every level. And for a long time with social media, with um, the internet, the, the trick has become to hide it and make it seem like everything's okay. I think we're kind of coming out of that. And maybe we overcorrected to go into the everyone's a victim and everyone's a pity party. And somewhere in the middle of those two things is reality. And, uh, and it's okay to have problems. It's okay to be successful. The secret, the most important thing is that we're always telling the truth or doing our best to, doing our best to tell the truth. That's the only thing that matters for me. That's from my perspective. You guys can tell me that I'm wrong or uh, that you disagree or whatever, but um, the truth is the most important thing. Ed says, I wish I could be a travel blogger. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. Is it true? Is it real? Is travel blog real life? Um, that's the question. Like, imagine a real life travel blog. Like, uh, after the flight, I smelled really bad. Um, I had a pretty complicated experience getting to my hotel. The hotel was really nice. The sunsets were really beautiful. The food was really good. Um, and I enjoyed the trip a lot and you might enjoy it too. Learned a lot of history. Instead, it's like a photo of sipping a Mai Tai on top of an elephant on a beach or something like that. As if like every moment of every day of our, all of our lives like that. I don't know. That wasn't really a whole, com a very complete thought, but even traveling is like, <laughs> I guess my point was even traveling is not like it is in a travel blog. So I don't know. That was my point. Um, Ed Wasson photography sounds fun. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Go check out his TikTok, um, Gen X Talking. Gen X Talking. You guys remember Ed? He was on the show a few weeks ago. Um, really a pleasure to have you. All right, guys. I guess 
that's going to wrap it up for today. I don't have anybody else on uh, on Zoom over here. So that's going to wrap it up for the week. I'll be back next week. Same Scuttlebutt Show play, same Scuttlebutt Show time. You guys already know the deal. Thank you for joining me. Um, I look forward to seeing you around the deck plates, as they say. Before you go, remember that at some point today, go ahead and smash that life button, not the like button, the life one. It's off the screen, probably to the right or left, out the window. Go outside and hit that life button today for me. That's all I ask. And we'll leave it at that. Until next time, guys, I look forward to talking to you really soon. For now, that's the scuttlebutt.